Very warm welcome to one and all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's enter into praise by turning to the Psalm number 100. At the back of your hymn book, you'll find the Psalm section. And let us turn to the Psalm number 100. All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with mirth, his praise foretell. Come ye before him and rejoice. Shall we stand and praise Almighty God together from Psalm 100? Wonderful to praise God with you here this evening. Let's turn in the scriptures to Exodus and the chapter 20. Exodus and the chapter 20. The book of Exodus and the chapter number 20 and the verse number 1 through to 17. Let us hear the word of God. 
And God spake all these things, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And let's turn also to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. And there in Matthew 22 and the verse 37. Matthew 22 and the verse 37 where it says from God's word, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. May God bless the public reading of his word to our good. Let's even seek him together now in prayer. Almighty God, ancient of days, we come before thy throne of grace once again on this thy Sabbath day. Lord, we come rejoicing in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, we, we look back and we see there the cross and that great place of grief for our Lord as he atoned for our sins upon the cross. We look back and we see even the rags of our sin there. And Lord, we even as we think upon our sin, we look up where he is ever interceding for us we look up and see our beloved Savior who ever liveth to make intercession for us. And as we think upon our Savior tonight, we also look ahead and we know that he will strengthen us and keep us and defend us 
and that we would go on from victory to victory and strength to strength and no longer, oh God, wearing those rags of sin, but rather the robe of Christ's righteousness upon our shoulders. Blessed be thy name, O God, for thy grace and mercy to us. We come to worship thee in spirit and in truth here tonight. O Lord, minister to each one as we would gather in Christ's name, and that we would even go on in righteousness, that we would go on and say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And so, Lord, as we come, we are mindful of the dark day in which we live, and we pray, O God, that you would keep us faithful. You would keep us looking unto thee, the great author and finisher of our faith. Lord, we know that we need thy Holy Spirit's help even tonight in the worship and in thy, thy praise and the, the preaching. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and, and breathe upon us afresh tonight that we would know a great refreshment of soul for meeting around thy word, a great refreshment of soul to be in fellowship with other believers that, are, that our, our unity is in Christ Jesus. And so meet with us, O Holy Spirit. And we pray that even those gathered in or watching in online, that, Lord, you would work in the mighty power by thy Spirit and by thy word. Lord, as we come before thee, Lord, we, we confess that so often we, we, are, we are cold of heart, so often we are dutiful, but Lord, we pray tonight that it would go beyond that and you would, oh God, exalt our praise, exalt our minds and our affections unto the heavens and that we would, we would know a special blessing in seeking thy face tonight. Bless each one, I pray, Lord. You've gathered us in from the, the corners of this area, from near and from far, and, and Lord, we come with a mighty expectation that you'd meet with us tonight. So come Minister to us through thy word as we pray in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to praise Almighty God from the hymn number 22. The hymn number 22. And there we can all rightly sing, Great is thy faithfulness, even as we think upon the Lord's sustaining power in our lives over the last year we can all sing out, Great is thy faithfulness. From the hymn number 22 shall we stand and sing our praises unto him.
Amen. You may be seated. Great is his faithfulness indeed. This time I'd like to ask our elder, Mr. Rizma, to come forward with the announcements. after this service, our time of fellowship downstairs. Please come and join with us for a time of refreshments and also meeting with the Boyd family and uh, those good things that we can have together. Our prayer meeting coming week, 7.30 on Wednesday evening. Our pastor will be back and we will have our time of prayer. Please come and join us if you can. On Saturday morning is the ladies' prayer breakfast. And I believe that's at 9 o'clock. Okay. And uh, in the evening at 7.30 is the men's prayer meeting. Communion Sunday. But do remember, communion will be in the evening. Uh, we as a session have decided to try it to see if it would be uh, advantageous for some who cannot come in the morning. Do come in the evening. And uh, we will do this for four times in this coming year. And we'll make a decision whether it should stay that way or if it is not really doing anything better. So we'll make that time. But remember this Sunday, it will be, next Sunday, it will be in the evening service for communion. And what else do we have? After the morning service, we will have our time next week in Langley Lodge. So remember that as well. Remember our meetings. The Sunday school starts again, 9.30, service at, at uh, 10.30. In the evening, our service is at 6, prayer time at 5.30. All those things uh, continue as they should. So we also have a week of prayer coming. Uh, we're looking forward to that. It'll be in the evening, the following week. And uh, we'll try to do that over Zoom so people can come from the privacy of their homes without more traveling. But Wednesday will be our standard prayer meeting downstairs in the prayer room. But Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night will be a prayer meeting over Zoom. So please join us for that too. And again, we're happy to have Mr. Boyd come and preach for us. So please, brother, come and bring the message. The Lord's laid on your heart. And we tried not to shake hands, but we didn't make it. No, that's all right. That's all right. Well, folks, let's have our offering hymn now. We'll stay seated for the first few verses of 485, 485. Four hundred and eighty-five. I have a shepherd, one I love so well. How he has blessed me, tongue can never tell. On the cross he suffered, shed his blood, and died, that I might ever in his love confide. Let's sing the first uh, two verses together, seated. Thank you. 
Our Father in heaven, we thank you for our great shepherd, the Lord Jesus. We come and worship him tonight. We pray, Lord, that you bless these tithes and these offerings, that it will be used wisely for the spread of the gospel throughout the land. We ask now, Lord, that you be with us in our listening from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing the final two verses together. seated. You may be seated. Let's, let's turn again in our Bibles to the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah in the chapter 58. We'll pick up where we left off this morning in Isaiah 58. And we'll, we'll start it at the verse number 12. Isaiah 58 and the verse number 12. Let us hear the word of God, inerrant and infallible. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable. 
and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, not speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. May God bless again the reading of his word, and let's even seek him now as we come to preach. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do come trembling before thy word. We thank you, Lord, that it is a lamp unto our feet, and that at one time where we would have staggered around in the dark, and our ways were wicked, but Lord, in thy goodness, in thy grace, you set your love upon us even before we loved you. And Lord, we praise you for your long-suffering, for your mercy, and for your grace. Lord, we pray the Holy Spirit would now attend thy word, that there would be no perceived dichotomy between the Spirit and the Word, that it would be seen as a tandem force. And Lord, that it would be as the sword. And so Lord, we pray that the sword would fall. And we pray that it would be a discerning Word. And that the Spirit would apply it. That the Lord, or that Lord, you would even convict us. That you would challenge us. And that you would even lift us and exalt us unto a higher praise of thyself. Lord, we pray me. Lord, I, I confess, Lord, that I am just a tourist, that thy ministers that have been called of thee who labor week in and week out, that covet the prayers of the people, that they would continue to be able to bring the word week in and week out, never wavering, ever standing upon the truth of God. And Lord, we even think of this very pulpit and the, how you've kept men faithful to, to your word throughout the many years. We look back and we see that your faithfulness to us has been great. And so as we come to preach, Lord, do so despite myself. And Lord, just even make me thy vessel for thy word. And that I would show forth from my lips thy praise. And Lord, even though there was a time when many of us would have deserved the boot of thy judgment upon our necks, but rather you took us by the, the collar and you lifted us up, Lord, onto that rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ. And Lord, may that be the place from which we preach and the place from which we hear. Meet with us, O God of heaven, as we pray in Jesus' most worthy name. Amen. Amen. Oh, friends, it's a delight to be back with you here this evening. And it's a wonderful thing that the soul of a Christian is a soul that has been restored. Psalm 23.3 says, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
By God's grace, the Christian who is blood-bought and restored by Jesus Christ, we now come to the place of worthy worship where we can delight in our Lord and delight in his meritorious work with a gratuitous praise of our hearts. And thus, to carry on from this morning's message, we see the Christian is given another name in Isaiah 58, 12. And the name is the restorer of paths to dwell in. And the Christian is given the means of being led in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He's given the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Ephesians 6, 17. And the Christian is called to wield the sword, as it were, like a, like a farmer with a scythe in the field. Side to side goes the scythe, because he must remove the ruins which sin has caused from the path. I wonder if the children here, do you know what a scythe is? A scythe would be a, a, a crescent blade that would be held low to the ground with a wooden handle and the skilled operator would go side to side with the blade along the ground to, to clear ground. I remember when I was in Ireland in the late 90s, I used a scythe to clear a widow's yard that was overgrown with thorny brambles. And you might ask, well, why was her yard so overgrown? But this woman had lost her brave husband when he went to save a drowning child. Over the years, the yard became neglected, and the pathway to her cottage was nearly impassable. That is until the the sharpened scythe was applied to its purpose, which is to clear that path and to clear that ground. And like the tangled brambles, even uh, beyond us here uh, under the power lines, it's really an excellent illustration of the ruins of sin and how it makes the pathways impassable. But folks, what happens when the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that effectual call of God manifest in the soul of believers, what happens when the gospel, like a scythe, is applied to its purpose? Well, the foundation of the path is restored. And you and I who once blasphemed God and blasphemed His day, we now have our set firmly upon the rock of our salvation, that great foundation that is Christ Jesus, a foundation described in Isaiah 26 or 28, 16, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Jesus himself is our foundation, and he is our restorer of our path. And those that repent even tonight, they would, would, if you would come, O sinner, with a repentant heart and trust in him, you, my friend, in the year to come shall not be confounded. Not confounded no matter the strength of whatever contrary wind would blow against you. Because in Proverbs 10.25 it says this, As the whirlwind passeth, so is the wicked no more. 
but the righteous is an everlasting foundation. My friends, in Christ, in Christ, we've been given a new name, restorer of paths to dwell in. And so, Christian, this year, as we go into this new year, let's dwell there. Let's dwell there with they that shall be of thee, as we spoke of this morning, those many generations. Let's dwell there. Let's dwell there in righteousness for his name's sake. Let's dwell there as in uh, Psalm 27, 4 says, in the house of the Lord all the days of your life to behold the beauty of our Lord and to inquire in his temple. Have you come here tonight to inquire in his temple? Praise God, this is the place of worthy worship. And as we delight in our Lord here tonight, we come to the mountainous stronghold of our worship. And I'm speaking of the, the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day. It's the very high tower of the Christian life. It is the place of joy and victory and sustaining power. It is the very safeguard of worthy worship. My Reformation Heritage Study Bible phrases it like this. The proper keeping of the Sabbath is a safeguard to worthy worship. As we look together tonight at verses 13 and 14 of Isaiah 58, I'm compelled to preach to you under these three headings. Firstly, requirements of honor. Secondly, relinquishing of honor. And thirdly, rewards of honor. And so as we come to look at the requirements of honor, we see that there's some training that's involved. We have to, we have to be trained. And so look with me at Isaiah 58, 13, where it says, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable. Here again, we see that qualifying word, if, if. And God is making very clear to us his requirement. But before we go running the race upon that restored path before us, we need to train ourselves in obedience. We need to train ourselves in accordance to Scripture. And so, Scripture gives us these wonderful training modules for to go through. And we see there, firstly, we're told to keep thy foot. Keep thy foot. Ecclesiastes 5 in the verse 1 says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Secondly, we're told to mind our steps. Psalm 119, 59 says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Thirdly, we're told to not walk as the wicked do. Isaiah 59, 7, describing how the wicked walk, says this, Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not. And there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. And we're told, friends, that that is not our path. 
Christian, that is not our path. Because Psalm 119, 101 says this, I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. We're also told that we are upheld. That we are upheld. My fr- if there's a Christian here tonight that's feeling weak, going into the year ahead. Let me tell you, friend, you are upheld by Almighty God. His everlasting arm is underneath and sustaining and holding you. And so we're told here in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And then the psalmist says this, I have been young, now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. The Christian's path must honor God with each step. And we must train our steps as an athlete would. An athlete who would run the race until we are running in a perfect state of worthy worship unto our Lord. Now, folks, we have to make an observation here and keep in mind that Christians are not running toward our trophy of Sabbath rest and delight. We're not, we're not running those six days to get to the seventh day rest. But wonderfully, wonderfully, the Christian Sabbath is the place from which we run. It's the first day of the week. It's, and wonderfully, we're running with a trophy that we've already won. We're running with a trophy in hand. That's the place from which we run. And we get to run in joy, having been restored unto worship. We get to run refreshed already and edified by the Spirit of God, built up to go forth. And we get to run for God's glory and for to honor Him. And I think the the perfect illustration of this, as we've considered this training, we have to also consider these trophies. And I think a perfect illustration is the Scottish missionary, Eric Little. Do the children here all know Eric Little is? Yeah? Right? Well, he was that Scottish missionary. And he was known for his unusual running position. He would have his head back, his arms loose, and his chest out, and it was most unusual, but it seemed like a posture of surrender as he ran. And my friends, he ran knowing that, as Isaiah 40, 31 says, that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like, or wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Eric Little ran as unto the Lord for a trophy that transcends simply to glorify God. And at the 1924 Olympics in Paris, Little dropped out of the 100-meter run, and that was his strong place. That was the place that he was, he was set to win. But he dropped out. Now, why did he drop out? He dropped out because that final, that race was going to be held on the Lord's Day. Such was his conviction to honor God on the day that God says to honor him. And my friends, he had the whole weight of the nation upon him. All the Scots were 
feeling robbed of their glory, their Olympic glory. Instead, Eric Little trained for the 200 and the 400 meter runs because that final wasn't held on the Lord's Day. And at the games, he finished third in the 200 meter run, which was a good showing. But in the 400 meter run, he turned out a remarkable performance and won. He set such a blistering pace that the, the other runners couldn't keep up and they stumbled trying to keep up and he ran, he ran the race and won it in a record time of 47.6 seconds. God honored Eric Little. The Bible says that God honors those that honor him. And in 1925, a year after that Olympic gold victory that Eric Little won, in dramatic fashion, a year later he was back in China missionary work with his father. And then 20 faithful years later, in a POW camp, a Japanese internment camp, he died of a brain tumor. What a story of a man that put God's honor before his own, before his nations, before everything. It was God's honor that he was chiefly concerned with. Now, little, Eric Little, he must have known that keeping the Sabbath was the safeguard of, of his worship because he gave God the honor and glory of his day rather than seeking after his own. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And Eric Little had the heart of a worthy worshiper. But we also have to think not only of the training and not only of these trophies, but also somewhat of these techniques. Looking at Isaiah 58, 13, we must also meet the requirements of honoring God on His day. Firstly, there's the submission. We have to turn, turn towards the honoring of the Lord's day. Because it says, Thou, if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath... It's a, it's a, there's an interesting turn of phrase there in that language. I, I think it, it would be understood if we would say, if thou turn away thy foot because of the Sabbath. There's that, it's an idiom that would say that you're turning your foot away from something for to turn towards something. And so there is that submission that we would turn towards the honoring of the Lord's day. But there is also a self-restraint that is a technique. And that self-restraint is a turning away from, from doing thy pleasure on God's holy day. Remember back in verse 3 that we talked about this morning, where it said, Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and exact all your labors. And now here we see it again in verse 13. And we see that the people of God will not forego the lesser pleasures of the world and the flesh and their own glory for the greater pleasure of worthy worship. But another technique is also in the sincerity they, that you would sincerely know and, and abide in calling the Sabbath a delight and to call it the holy of the Lord, honorable, now, when, when you observe the Lord's Day, the Christian Sabbath, is it burdensome sometimes? In our weakness, it can be. Self-denial 
is not our natural disposition. Self-denial is, is contrary to our fallen nature. And if you've come to church tonight, or if you've kept the Sabbath day, and it's been in the dryness of duty, with a, with a, a, a certain coldness of heart, my friends, I want to, to encourage you to, to keep on. Because even in the, in the duty or in the dryness, God will meet you there. Because it's not of our own strength that we're born up into this place of delight. But it's a place that God in His goodness to us lifts us unto. So press on to honoring God. Press on to glorifying Him this year. And my friends... From that place of duty or dryness, you will come to know a place of delight, I promise you. A times of refreshing, of rich blessing, and knowing that the, the power of the Spirit is at work in your life and in your family's life. Knowing that there is a word in season tonight for your heart's condition, and each time you would come into the Lord's house, or that you would open His word in, in your prayer closet knowing that on this day you can say that you'd met with the true and living God of heaven. And my friends, you can, you can think back upon the condition of your soul prior to, to the work that Christ did in you. And rather than think upon the darkness, you can say, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. My friends, as having discussed these requirements of of honoring God. I also want to discuss with you the relinquishing of honor, the relinquishing, the giving over of honor to God. And so we have to consider some things here, and we'll look at the latter half of verse 13, and we see exactly how to honor God on His day. And Paul follows that first word of, in verse 13, if, that qualifier, if. It says, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. And my friends, before we go any further considering this, we have to, we have to understand who the consumer of worship is. And I've heard one preacher say how in this day and generation, the people come believing that it's them that's consuming the worship. And that it's all the, the worship and the, the drums and the guitars and everything is for you as a consumer. But my friends, that's absolutely backwards. Because God is the consumer of worship. And so we're most interested in, in what He wants. And we're much less interested in what we want. Because we're not the consumers. And we even see in the law, as we read earlier today, that the first, there's the two tablets of the law, and the first four commandments really describe the worship of God. There's the object of worship, and then there's the manner of worship, and then there's the attitude of worship, and then there's the time or the day, the Sabbath day, of worship. And it's all Godward. And it's, it's, by, it's that way by design. Because unless we come to God in that manner, where He's the consumer of our worship and not ourselves, how could we ever then honor the rest of the law 
if we haven't even honored the first four. Because we need to be born up of God, exalted and lifted up in the praise and honor of God, to even be able to consider loving our neighbor. Godward worship enables us to then love our neighbor. And my friends, as we consider this, it gets a little dangerous. Because when you're talking about your own ways, or your own pleasure, or your own words, it starts, we start to bristle. Because, and we know that the, as we discuss these things, there's a deep ditch on either side of the road. And on one side, there's the, the legalist. And on the other side, there's the liberal Christian. But we need to consider each of these commands. And I promise at the end, I'll, I'll summarize succinctly. But on Sabbath days, we must not walk in our own ways. That is not to follow after our own callings. The Hebrew word refers to it as being a way or a road or a journey. And we, it has to be a day where we're minding God's ways and not our own to make worship the business of the day and not our business to be the business of the day. We must choose the things that please Him. We have to turn in obedience to choose the things that please Him. We must forsake all works of worldly profit and attend only to those things that are pertaining to the health of our, of our soul, the spirit, works of piety, works of charity, works of mercy, like going to the, the, the senior center. What a blessing that that's a continued practice in this church. That's worship, where it, it, it flows out even into mercy to the community around us. But we also have to consider our pleasure. On Sabbath days, we must not find our own pleasure. That is even to follow after sports and recreations. The, the Hebrew shefzicha means delight, pleasure, desires, our own longings. One, uh, one of the translators of the King James Version of Bishop Andrews had this to say of the Sabbath day. To keep the Sabbath in an idle manner is the Sabbath of oxen and asses. To pass the Sabbath in a jovial manner is the Sabbath of the golden calf. And to keep it in, in surfeiting or, or in, in, in excess uh, and wantonness, which is like a loose playfulness, well, that's the Sabbath of Satan, the devil's holy day. And so it is even as we consider these things that we must, again, as we discussed this morning, be Godward and turn away from, from ourselves on this day. Because we must not even speak our own words, it says. Our own words. The Hebrew is devar, which means speech, word, uh, of our acts or our occupations. Words that concern either our callings or our pleasures. Which is to say, to not allow ourselves the same liberty of speech on, on the Sabbath on other days. Rather, we speak of divine things. We bring to bear the gospel upon our conversations. 
spiritual and heavenly things. My friend, you can go into any gathering, outside of the church that is, and you can talk about the football game, you can talk about your work or your, your enjoyment, but there's one place you can come and you can talk about those things in light of, of the goodness of God. You can speak of those things and bring the gospel to bear upon it. You can only do that with your brethren and your sisters. It's a special unity that we have and an, uh, an enjoyment that we have one to another because we're family in Christ. And so we, have, we, we can speak of these divine and spiritual things that we cannot with others. We know from Deuteronomy 6-7 that this speech I'm trying to describe, it's, 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 it says, Teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up is to have those divine things, those spiritual things, ever at the forefront of our mind, ever upon our lips. That ought to be the, uh, the way of our speech on the Lord's Day. To summarize these things, the Westminster Confession of Faith says this, This Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord, when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe and holy rest all the day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. Now, my friends, this might, this might seem like a, just a cold bath because it's, like I said, it's contrary to our nature. And like I said, we bristle at it. it and, and oftentimes, we, we, because we don't want to actually dive into these, the, the promises here for us, we almost turn a blind eye. I mean, if, if you showed me where this nation started to trample upon the Sabbath day, I'll show you the day of decline in this nation. I'll show you the time of judgment. My friend, some embrace the Sabbath day, but they embrace it with a steely grip, as though it's a bat to wield upon your fellow Christians. But my friends, it's, embrace it with grace. Embrace it with grace, knowing that the Spirit is at work and that, that the, whole, the whole idea and thrust of this part of this, this verse is sanctification. It's, it's a conforming of ourselves unto our Lord. It's a, 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 a continual reformation of our heart to be, to be more like our Savior. And my friends, it's the key. It's the key to worthy worship. It's self-denial. There's no surer way to grow in grace and the knowledge of God than to keep the Sabbath day holy and honored. And perhaps it all sounds onerous and burdensome to you this morning. But again, let me encourage you to stay the course because God will bless even our reluctant observance of this. God's word says if we call the Sabbath a delight, if there's that sincerity of being so glad to come to the house of God to worship, to pray, 
to keep the Sabbath day, our perspective is radically changed. And we're not asking anymore what we can't do, but we're asking what we get to do. We get to come and be together and worship God. We get to work in these acts of mercy. And I, there's that famous story of the, the playgrounds in Scotland that had the, the playgrounds were chained up to keep the kids from playing on the Sabbath day. And it's really, a, it's, it's an illustration of when Sabbath keeping goes astray. But what I'm saying is, what if our perspective was so radically changed that the, the locks and the chains didn't even need to be there? Be challenged by this chapter as I've been. Pray to be given a fuller vision of the Lord's day. It's a day for dwelling in the Lord, a day of worshiping Him, a day of reforming our ways, a day of finding our pleasure in the riches of His grace, a day of fellowship with the saints in Christ, speaking of God's goodness, having conversations that edify and build each other up, because this thy Sabbath day is the day from which we go. And so if we build each other up, O oh Christian, then we get to go in strength. If we build each other up in that edifying way, then you can go into the fray of the battle and know that your brother in Christ stands with you in prayer or that your sister is, is, is on her knees praying for you. That's Sabbath keeping. That's worthy worship. And we're also told in the, the Westminster Confession says it so perfectly that we're not to profane the day in idleness, but rather to attend to duties of mercy. That's like we read in verse 10 this morning, to draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. May that be the vision of our free Presbyterian churches, to draw out our souls to the lost. It's interesting that the Pharisees accuse Jesus, who is the Lord of the Sabbath, of breaking the Sabbath, didn't they? When he healed the lame man in an act of mercy, John 5, 17 says, But Jesus answered them and said, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Mercy. And I long for a day when the church foregoes personal pleasure for true worship and duties of mercy. And the promises of selflessness are realized. And so we've discussed the requirements of honor, the relinquishing of honor, and let us close as we think of the rewards of honor. And my friends, it's, there are, there's, it's said that these next three promises given by God unto us are some of the richest in all of Scripture. And again, it follows when we were reading of if, now we're, we're at the resulting then. And so we have, to, we have to understand that there's in the waiting upon God, in the keeping of his day, I think of the story we read recently with, uh, with the children about the pilgrims. And even after that long, arduous journey across the Atlantic, when they finally found a port of refuge, when they finally found a harbor that was deep enough for the ship and, and, and protected from the, the, the wicked storms, they landed on the shores of the New World on Saturday night. 
And so it was the Lord's day the next day. And so what, when you think about all that they had to accomplish to even try, try, which many did not, survive the winter. Here they are on the shores of the new world. And my friends, the Sabbath day is the very first day they're going to be there. What do they do? Well, they kept the Sabbath on the Mayflower. They kept the Sabbath. Many of us would say, well, let's get building the log cabins and let's find some food and shelter. And, but no, they kept the Lord's Day. Now, why did they do that? And why has that spirit been lost uh, in churches at large? It's because we don't trust God anymore. Christian, do you trust God enough to wait upon him for that day? so that you can go forward from his Sabbath day of rest, knowing that God will take care of you. He is the great provider. And even if you're on the shores of some new challenge or whatever it is, trust God and keep his day. My friends, we need to learn to delight. These are the rewards of honor. We need to worship and joy. And that is that, speaking of that delight, where we get to dwell in the house of the Lord and, and not in the tents of the wicked anymore. We get to delight. And we get to see that the more pleasure we take in serving God, says Matthew Henry, the more pleasure we shall find in it. There is that reward. Your efforts to honor God on a Sabbath day will not be in vain. And we get to also not only worship in joy, but we also get to worship in victory. This is where we get to, 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 to worship from the place that we've been set upon by the work of Christ Jesus, that risen, conquering Son, the one who conquered death, conquered dev the devil, and conquered sin. And instead we get to, rather than be in the tents of wickedness, we're placed in the place of victory. And my friends, it's not even just a victory for today, but it's victory everlasting. It's a victory where we get to be in an everlasting Sabbath one day with our Lord. We get to be in a place of worship exalted. We get to live above the world. Because to, li to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is the place of victory for our souls. And my friends, as Matthew Poole would say, this place of victory, as it says, I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. And it's, it's language of victory. It's language of the, of the horse. It's the language of, of being carried along with, with that, uh, borne along by the Spirit with the unction from on high. And this, this riding upon the high places, it's language that speaks of conquering and language of triumph and language of glory. Those that honor God, says Matthew Henry, and his Sabbath, will he thus honor. And by his grace enable us to live above the world, not to be hindered by it to the destruction of our soul, but to be furthered and, and carried along in our journey towards heaven. And that's the place how he makes us to ride upon the high places. But there is, lastly, worship sustained. Worship in joy, worship in victory, worship sustained. It says there, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. This is that 
a place where we are given our inheritance, we are heirs of salvation in Christ, all the blessings that are promised to us made manifest, the heritage of believers, not only for in this life, but in the next, not only fed now, not only sustained and kept now, but also sustained and kept forever. My friends, it is even a place of heavenly manna to our souls that we are fed with. And how does the Lord conclude all this? This glorious chapter, which I am wont for words to describe, how is it all finished? Well, it says there, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. That's the seal. That's why we can go from this place with an assurance and with a confidence that we can worship in joy and in victory and be sustained in it. And so let me just finish by saying this. You might be saying, well, so what? So what? I'll tell you this. You want to grow as a Christian? Keep the Sabbath day. You want to, to, to lead your family? Keep the Sabbath day. You want to flourish or defend uh, your children and your wives from the, the, the fiery darts of the devil? Keep the Sabbath my friends, we need to live as even the Puritans did. Because their friends enjoyed on the shores of the new world real peace and a real liberty. Because it says that true Christian liberty is not the freedom to live as we please, but the power to live as God requires. True Christian liberty is not the freedom to live as we please. My friends, it was in 1906 that this country of ours in, uh, enabled the Lord's Day Act, 1906. And that Lord's Day Act carried on until 1985, if you recall. Because I've, I've heard a story of Reverend Gallagher being in those hearings and giving a thus saith the Lord about the commandment to keep the Lord's day. But this, this country of ours in that 1985 case was, that was brought by Big M Shop or Drug Mart, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled infringed on charter rights of Canadians, that Lord's Day Act. It infringed upon freedom of religion and freedom of conscience of people in this country. Where the Lord's Day, the Christian Sabbath, the means of all this blessing to, to our families and our churches and our nation, where it was placed upon the altar of equity of ideas, that all ideas are somehow equal and of equal value. It was placed upon some sort of um, counterfeit multiculturalism that would say that there would be a a melting pot of unity as Canadians as it ought to be. But instead it was this mosaic of disparate pieces, tribalism. And it was sacrificed on that altar, the Lord's Day. And rather than have the unity in Christ, the unity of belief and, and the fact that, my friends, whether we like it or not, Christ is Lord. There is not an equity of ideas. And so it was that that was the altar upon which 
the Lord's day was sacrificed in this nation. And as I said, you can point to that day as a day of great decline in the country. But we must not be discouraged. And even though our nation has trampled upon the Lord's day, let us as a church not trample upon it. Because we've seen what God has promised in its keeping. And so it is, my friends, that we must be worshipers of God. We must be keepers of his Sabbath day. Because if it says in John 9, 31, If any man be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. And it says in John 4, 23, and with this I conclude, The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Are there true worshipers here tonight? Praise God there are. And so as we close, let's turn to our final hymn. Our final hymn. The hymn number 732. 732. Another year is dawning. Dear Father, let it be in working or in waiting another year with Thee. Shall we stand and sing our praises to Almighty God together?
close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before thee saying, Alleluia, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And so, Lord, as we go into this new year, may it be for a place of Sabbath rest. Send us forth from this place that we would even know thy upholding and sustaining us. We pray, God, that Christ would be our all in all, that we would see him in all his excellence before us. Walk in the midst of us, O Christ. Walk amongst thy church. Strengthen us, O Lord. And may we be a people that rides upon the high places, the places of victory, conquering. Lord, those old paths, thou hast restored them. And so keep us walking in thy path. Keep us on that righteous path for thy name's sake. And Lord, may we go even from strength to strength through you. Uh, have built up each one with thy word and by thy spirit. We would go from this place knowing that, that these promises that you've, you've, you've promised, Lord, that we would go light in keeping thy law, that we would know the delight of wearing the robe of Christ's righteousness, and we would know the delight of being the redeemed of God in Jesus Christ. And may even our words be to thy praise and honor as we pray in Jesus' name.